Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Welcome to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network alongside Frankie Stample. I am Greg Sussman. You guys here too. What is going on, everybody? What's up, Frankie? Not much, Craigie. Doing well. Ewan, what did, what, what did you what did you think of our new open? That's uh, uh, maybe the most bizarre thing I've encountered <laughs> today. <laughs> we were we're working on um, Florio's gone, so we wanted to change it up a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know that we found the uh, the right beat yet, uh, but we're working yeah, keep, on it. Keep uh, keep keep working, guys. Keep working. Okay. It's not a song that you would uh, drink some whiskey around the fire listening to, EY? No, I'm, I took that one out of the rotation, I think. All right. Well, as long as, as long as it was in the rotation at one point, I, you know, the starting I was point. Trying to be, I was trying to be kind. Mm. Damn it. All right. Well, man. All right. Anyway, uh, on the show today, really uh, fun show because we have a lot of different things we're kind of uh, putting our hands into today, which is cool. Uh, Frank and I and Eric are going to try to get to the bottom of the Melvin Gordon hate because I don't I don't I don't get it, um, and maybe it'll change as we get closer to actual draft days or, or the majority of draft days. But there's something going on, and I've talked to a bunch of people about this. So the three of us are going to try to figure that out. Um, we're also going to talk about some of the PPR running backs because we've mentioned Tariq Cohen a lot with Eric, uh, Chris Thompson. I- I'm all over. And there's a bunch of other guys that, that people are talking about, Theo Riddick, of course, too. But where should you draft these guys? We spoke yesterday how I really liked Chris Thompson, or three, two days ago, Chris Thompson five rounds later, or four rounds later than Christian McCaffrey. But where are the other guys going? So we wanted to, to get into that as well. I have a strategy conversation I really wanted to ask Frank and Eric about. They don't know what it is, so they're going to give us their honest uh, and objective thoughts. And, of course, we're going to start uh, with today's facts away. Frank. Yeah, so it has to do with somebody who is in the news and part of the reason why I think a lot of people were very excited about him coming into the draft season. Uh, and that's, that has to do with Doug Baldwin. Last year, Russell Wilson had 73 attempts in the red zone. 42 of those red zone targets are gone. That is 58% of his red zone attempts. That includes Jimmy Graham, who had 26, Paul Richardson, who had 11, Luke Wilson, who had 5. 58% of the Seahawks' red zone targets are gone from last season to this season. That's part of the reason why we were all very excited about Doug Baldwin. Now we kind of have to, I think, deflate that a little bit with this knee injury news. Of course, the latest news is he hurt his knee, and from every beat reporter, from Pete Carroll, it's not a, a day-to-day thing. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks, and when it comes to knee soreness, if the soreness doesn't, and EY, you can certainly speak more to this, um, given that you're much more sore than we are, um, but given knee soreness, if it doesn't, I guess, go down, the swelling doesn't go down, ultimately you're going to have to have some sort of surgery, whether it's arthroscopic, excuse me, arthroscopic or even more severe. How concerned should we be about this Doug Baldwin injury? 
I mean, I guess you got to wait to find out what it is. I mean, knees are tricky, uh, especially for a wide receiver. I mean, anyone playing football, knees tricky. He, you know, he relies on that with his speed, his starting and stopping, his cutting in and out of routes and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, maybe the most important joint a receiver has is his knee joint and it, it being hurt. Um, I'm not so scared of him missing a couple weeks. I don't think Baldwin needs to play in the preseason. I don't, I mean, he knows the playbook. Him and Russell have an obvious connection. If he misses the entire preseason, I'm not scared of him. I still have him pretty high, but I'm, I'm, you know, like this is making me uh, cautious, I guess, cautious. Okay. So Frank, let me kind of follow up what, what Eric was saying. He knows the playbook. New offensive coordinator, though, and we said all of last year, we're going to note when there's new offensive coordinators and just not expect the same thing. We repeated the mantra over and over and over again. How big of a deal it is, is it for you that Doug Baldwin's out for the next three weeks or so? Listen, he's right, obviously. Baldwin and Russell Wilson can do anything together, just mind control. How serious is this for you? I'm worried, and I tweeted about that yesterday, Drink. Uh, anytime a player misses time in training camp, doesn't have the ability to get up to snuff physically, uh, let alone, you know, not only learning the offense from Brian Schottenheimer, what we expect to be, honestly, a very boring offense. What's going to make it exciting is the fact that Russell Wilson is part of it. But Brian Schottenheimer and interesting offense are two terms that we've never really put together. So it, it sucks a little bit that he's not going to be in there learning it. And I feel like anytime players miss training camp, it's kind of like they start the actual regular season a little bit gimpy. Maybe they get off to slow starts. Maybe, you know, what Dr. A tells us about guys coming back off injury is maybe they start to compensate a little bit more, right? So you're compensating for one knee. You're putting a little bit more pressure on one leg. That could lead to even more injuries. EY is absolutely right about, like, needing your knee as a wide receiver is probably the most important part of your leg uh, at, at the position. I mean, being able to cut, being able to jump and, you know, catch these contested passes and stuff. So I was very, very excited about Doug Baldwin. Um, I didn't think that he would get back to the 14 touchdowns that he had three years ago, but I thought there was a chance for him to come close to that. I think, you know, double-digit touchdowns could have been within reach, especially with all those red zone targets now available. Not just red zone targets, all-around targets. I mean, you know, Jimmy Graham had 98 overall targets last season. Paul Richardson had 80 targets. So there were a lot of targets up for grabs this year with Doug Baldwin. And I think we all kind of expect now that the Seahawks defense is not going to be as good as it has been in years past. So they're going to be in more shootouts. The 49ers have a good offense. The Rams have a good offense. There's going to be higher scoring games in the NFC West that we're not really used to seeing. So I was very, very excited about Doug Baldwin. I've tempered expectations a little bit. I'm not going to drop him too far in the rankings. It might move T.Y. Hilton ahead of him, but he's still going to be in that top 12 range for me. It, it does worry me, and it honestly, it does suck because he was a guy I was targeting. So, Eric, I want to throw it to you. How far does he fall? I know you said you're going to be a little bit conservative. I was also targeting Doug Baldwin, and maybe there's a discount here, right? Like Maybe he falls far enough there's a legitimate discount in the draft for him, given the connection with Russell Wilson. You feel comfortable taking him. Where, where, would you, where is that spot right now? I know you're, you're Need even research. Where are you taking Doug Baldwin right now? Uh, I think I have him as my uh, wide receiver fourteen. Okay, and I, I, I'm not moving him at all at this point. I mean, I, you know, we got to find out what it is. You know, it, it, is it ACL? Is it MCL? Is it bruising? Is right. it swelling? You know, it, and 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 each injury is different. You know, some guys bounce back quicker. Like, I mean, I you know, I'm a person that has has always healed quickly. Um, I've I'm always been a person that can still perform 
when I'm banged up or when I'm sore or even when I'm hurt. So, you know, it, it, we don't know. I mean, Baldwin's a guy that, you know, see, he's pretty reliable. He might be one of the most reliable wide receivers in the last five years. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not moving him. I'm not doing anything yet. You know, there, I know there's not a lot of stuff coming out. Training camp's just getting going. And every time something happens, everyone wants to hit the panic button. But just just take a breath and relax. Okay. I and mean, if you've already drafted him and he's on your team, then maybe take two breaths. But, you know, it's uh, let's just wait and find out and see what happens. There you go. The wise words of EY. Relax. Yeah. And what EY said about him being a reliable receiver, from 2015 to last season, 2017, he's finished between wide receiver 8 and wide receiver 13. So he's been incredibly consistent, and he's never exceeded 125 targets. To me, I thought that he was going to be on pace to shatter that this season, given health. I, I could have seen him in the you know 150-plus range this year given everything I've said about the Seahawks defense and how I think they're going to be in more shootouts this season. Let me go to the phone lines before we continue, gentlemen. 844-843-6879. Let's hit up Sean in New York. What's up, Sean? Hey, guys. How are you? Doing great, man. All right. I got two questions if you guys can get to it real quick. Okay. Uh, both about the NFC West. I asked this question before, but I never got a solid answer. Why would I take Russell Wilson so high as he's the third or fourth highest-rated quarterback mm-hmm. there? If he doesn't have Paul Richardson or Jimmy Graham like last year, and he's got a terrible offensive line. All right, let's, let's start there. Frank, I'm, I'm going to throw it to you. The offensive line improved, no doubt. DJ Fluger, a good run blocker. Uh, they traded for Dwayne Brown last season. He's their left tackle. So what about the other weapons that are gone? You, you named them all a few moments ago. Jimmy Graham, Doug Baldwin's hurt. Paul Richardson's gone. Tyler Lockett's always hurt. Why is Russell Wilson ranked so highly? Yeah, I have him ranked as my QB2 right now, and I think part of it is the, the rushing floor that he gives you every single season. For me, at least 489 rushing yards in five of the six seasons he's played. And not only that, he's incru- Im- improved his passing attempts two seasons in a row now. And given everything I just said, look, their defense is not going to be great. I mean, Earl Thomas wants out. This is not the Legion of Boom defense that we've seen in years past. Russell Wilson finished as QB2 last year in points per game. And that was before he lost even more pieces to this defense. So I think they're going to be trailing. I think they're going to have to put even more on Russell Wilson. As much as they want to run the football, they might be more effective at doing that from just one running back this year. Rashad Penny, I think, will be that workhorse running back. But they're still going to have to put up points, and I think that's going to fall on the the back and the legs of Russell Wilson. I'm not really worried about the weapons. To me, the best quarterbacks make the weapons around them look even better, and I think Russell Wilson is already in that category. Sean, what's your second question, bud? All right, and now uh, sticking in the NFC West, you know, the Niners got a a pretty good offense. Is Jimmy Garoppolo a top-ten quarterback this year, you think, uh, with Garcon and McKinnon as a a pass catcher in the backfield? I'll throw that one to you. Is Jimmy G ranked for you a top-ten quarterback? No, I mean, I think that's – I mean, I think it's insane. People that are taking him that high – crazy i mean it's a five game sample and the big thing is this is when he comes in he's been a backup quarterback his whole life there is no tape on him he didn't play he's never played so he had five games where there was no tape on him he came in and like look i mean he did look good and uh, he looked like he had a good command of the offense even though just coming in and learning it right away mckinnon is obviously an improvement you know i I think kittle has a big jump forward garcon is super reliable 
Uh, Marquis Goodwin, I think, is going to have a big year, or you know, or a good year for for Marquis Goodwin. But I mean, people that are driving them that high, they're crazy. And everyone's saying, "Oh, well, San Francisco is going to have a good offense." That is, that is death. That is, no one knows who's going to be a good offense. No one knows who's going to be a good defense. And and trying to predict it is insane. Even harder on the defensive side. So just uh, just do it by s- s- skill. And right now, Jimmy G's a good quarterback, but, I mean, drafting him in the top 10 to me is absolute insanity. All right, so there you go. Jimmy G, not a top 10 quarterback, according to Eric Young. Frank, do you agree? I have him just outside my top 10. Right, I have him at 12, but I will say I'll take him over guys like Matthew Stafford, Phillip Rivers, uh, Matt Ryan, guys that we've seen do it before. I think they're just, yes, while they have a higher floor, I just don't think Stafford, Rivers have the ceiling. I'll take the unknown of Jimmy G over those guys, but he's not inside my top 10 right now. I have him at 12th overall. All right, there you go. Let's continue on the phone lines and talk to Steven in Massachusetts. What's going on, Steve? Uh, my question is about, uh, so I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, Josh Dawson, he got injured, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I know that you guys, uh, especially on the show, like you guys are big on Jamison Crowder. So I'm just wondering if I can't uh, like because uh, it's you know drafts are usually about like a month away. If I can't get uh, Jamison Crowder, is there somebody else that I should be looking into as far as like the passing game, or is it just strictly Jamison Crowder? So I think it's a great question. I think it leads into exactly what we wanted to talk about here, Steve, um, and and that's Chris Thompson, right? So Jameson Crowder is the number one guy. I think he fits really, really well with Alex Smith. I know Eli was high on him last year. I think everybody was high on Jameson Crowder last year. And Josh Doxson is, to me, Frank, much like Devontae Parker and much like Rashawn Perriman. They all stink. Every one of them. Maybe Devontae Parker less. But they all, they all are not consistent enough to use. And I was a Josh Doxson guy all of last year. He's hurt. So the most logical player you'd go to replace him is Paul Richardson. But Paul Richardson, from every thing that you have read coming out of Washington, he's really struggled. He's really struggled. And this offense with a new quarterback in Alex Smith is not meant for people, in my opinion, like, like Josh Doxson and like Paul Richardson. It's meant for Jameson Crowder, Jordan Reed if he's healthy, and then Chris Thompson. But Chris Thompson is a more interesting case than unfortunately I want to even realize. Because I think he's uber talented. I, the dude knows how to catch a pass and just go. He's a heck of a pass blocker. Uh, and he's awesome, he, by all senses of the word. The problem is he's never been healthy. Back in, in college and in his first few years in the NFL, he has not been able to remain healthy, missing the second half of last year. Now he's come back, and you read a report coming out of practice saying, he looks great. He looks really, really awesome. But then he says, listen, I'm not close to 100%. And Jay Gruden says, yeah, I'm, I'm working my way. I'm, I'm working my way back. On him, but he looks good. And then the report goes, well, he looks amazing. The next report is he's not going to be 100% until November. What does all this mean, Eric, when it comes to Chris Thompson? Well, it means like every year you got to worry about him getting hurt. He's a small guy. Uh, You know, and being a running back, a guy that's either going out and taking a tackle or or sitting in and, and having you know, six foot, 245 run, linebackers run into him. I mean, he, you're going to get hurt. I mean, he, he, like you said, to your point is he gets hurt. I mean, he's never been able to stay healthy. Uh, last year, I think they needed to rely on him more. P Ryan was the guy that I was super high on. He let him down and they ended up 
playing Chris Thompson. They were running him between the tackles and stuff. If Darius Geis is who I think he's going to be and who, who most people think he's going to be, then Chris Thompson is good. But him not go, saying he's not going to be 100% healthy until November is kind of terrifying. Yeah, he's. He, I get it. I completely get it. And there's a lot of people that are like you that feel the same way about Darius Geis. And that was the conversation when it came to Chris Thompson in that if Geis is this pass catcher and this good pass blocker, what is Thompson's role? How scared are you by the reports that you have read and the news on Geis, Frankie? I am very worried about that. Specifically, something that he said is he was talking about he's going to be worried to get tackled by bigger players. Like, any time that's already in the back of your mind as a running back, I mean, EY mentioned it. This guy is only 5'8". He's below 200 pounds. Yes, he's incredibly explosive. He scored a ton of touchdowns last year. He was number one among running backs in yards per touch. So we know how explosive he can be. But anytime you already have that mindset there, that, oh, I have to worry about being tackled in the NFL, and you have to worry about, you know, making these jukes as a running back. You're worried about... You know, oh, am I gonna am I gonna sprain this ligament in my knee? Am I gonna you know, worried about having a broken leg? That worries me a lot, man. Especially when you look at a guy like him, his ADP, he's in the seventh, eighth round. So it's not like all right, some of these it's other not, it's not nothing. It's not one of these other PPR backs that we're taking in the twelfth, thirteenth, whatever it might be, some guys that we think have upside. You have to give some draft capital to get Chris Thompson. I, I'm pretty worried about this. Thing. We're going to get more into that draft capital with the PPR running backs a little bit later on. We come back. I want to dive into Melvin Gordon. Something is up here. I don't know what it is. Maybe EY has the answer. Maybe Frankie does. I certainly don't. Melvin Gordon, up next on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. You fantasy best friends forever, fantasy sports radio network. Eric Young, Frank Stample, Greg Sussman here with you. And I like this time of year, especially in my league that's an auction, where I don't have to worry about someone sniping me in any way. I like to I talk with a lot of my friends. I'm like, all right, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? How much does he go for? And a name that we, we've thrown around recently has been Melvin Gordon. Like, what do you think about Melvin Gordon? And, and the most common reaction that I get. I'm out on that guy. Oh, why are you out on him? You know, there's just a bunch of other guys I I like better. I'm like, okay. And then I talk to somebody in my snake league who I'm most likely going to pick one pick ahead of him. And we were kind of talking. I have no reason to lie. I don't care. Who do you like? I'm like, honestly, if if Melvin Gordon is there, and depending on who is not there, like I, I would strongly consider Melvin Gordon. And I don't like him. I'd rather have Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette. And I'm trying to figure out why. Like, Dalvin Cook coming off the ACL. I know that he's on everybody's hype train this year. I, I get it. Leonard Fournette, 
the entire Jacksonville offense runs around this guy. Nobody gets more carries in the league than Leonard Fournette. Nobody gets more goal line carries than Leonard Fournette. And I, I get it. But Melvin Gordon, all he's done in the last two years is put up 12 touchdowns each year. He has seen his receptions increase each year. He has seen his yards per carry increase, and they stay the same right around 3.9. That's the big X, right? Only 3.9 yards a carry when you want running backs to average more like 4.5. But with the amount of carries that Melvin Gordon gets, with the amount of touches that he gets, it doesn't matter. You could say that year two was a fluke. Fine. But then he did it again in year three. And there's no one on this team I'm worried about. I don't care about Austin Eckler. I don't care about Damian Williams. I don't care about Justin Jackson. That means nothing to me. Melvin Gordon has gained the trust of this coaching staff, which everybody loved last year with Anthony Lynn. He has gained the trust of Philip Rivers. This dude's going to be out there, all three downs, touching the ball, all three downs. He is more, and we said this downstairs, Frank, he is closer to me with Saquon Barkley and Kareem Hunt than he is to Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook. What do you think, EY? Yo, I got him as my running back four. There you that go. Might blow, that might blow your mind, but uh, like I'm on board with you. I, I heard him do an interview, and I can't remember where it was, but he, I mean, he said, you know, the offense is going to be. Everyone is high on the San Diego offense. Yes, everyone yes. thinks they're going to be good, including me. Well, you know, okay, yes, it does not run through Melvin Gordon, but he is the starting running back. And brother doesn't want to come off the field. He said he gets pissed off when they take him off the field. He wants to catch passes. He wants to run, pass block. He wants to do those things. He wants to be the guy. That's the kind of guy I want my, on my team. He's done it, you know, every year that he's stayed healthy, and, and there is no running back that is immune to that you know to that to that analysis oh well you know running backs get hurt yeah well duh so melvin gordon is a guy that i love i mean if there's other leagues out there that and there's a bunch of guys that don't want i want to play in those leagues because i want melvin gordon on my team so i couldn't agree more with him frank right like okay fine he has him as rb4 most people have him closer to rb6 or 7 but if you believe in a guy who cares right like uh who, who are the three that are in front of him eric Gurley, Bell, and Johnson. Okay. And, then, and, I, and I, I go back and forth on Zeke and him, but I, I just feel that San Diego's offense is going to be far superior to Dallas. They're going to stack the box. They don't have any receivers in Dallas that, that anyone is going to worry about. So, to me, Gordon has got a much easier path to more production than Ezekiel Elliott. All right. So, so, fine. So, he likes Melvin Gordon over Ezekiel Elliott. Fine. When we started this a couple of months ago, I had Melvin Gordon with Kamara, Ahead of Barkley and with Hunt. That was a three-man crew for me. Since Mark Ingram's suspension, Kamara has gone up. Nothing's changed with Kareem Hunt. Everyone hates Andy Reid at some point because they're going to screw over Kareem Hunt. That doesn't happen with Melvin Gordon. Sure, we saw some big games of Austin Eckler. But you know Melvin Gordon's the guy. They didn't just lose the running game. And EY's right. So this offense doesn't revolve around Melvin Gordon. doesn't have to. You know he's the man. I don't get it, Frank. I don't get it either, and what spurned this discussion was I was looking at NFFC ADP over the last seven days. I mean, these are high-stakes drafts. These are some of the best um, drafters around, really, honestly, and his ADP slipping to 12.48. He's now going Crazy. behind Leonard Fournette. He's going neck-and-neck neck with Dalvin Cook. Don't get me wrong. I love Dalvin Cook a ton. There's no way I could take Dalvin Cook ahead of Melvin Gordon. You're, you would be drafting Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette to do something we've already seen Melvin Gordon do. Last year, he was the RB5. The year before, he was RB7. And you spoke about Leonard Fournette getting all these carries inside the 20 on the goal line. Last year, Melvin Gordon 
was top three in red zone rushing attempts inside the 20. Top three in rushing attempts inside the 10. Top three in rushing attempts inside the five. He has back-to-back years with 12-plus touchdowns. Last year, he became more of a part in the passing game. He had over 80 targets. He had nearly 60 receptions. Top 10 running back in receptions. Top 10 running back in receiving yards. Doesn't drop the ball. All he does is score touchdowns. He was the third highest score. He had the third most touchdowns of any running back in all of football last year. And we're dropping this guy? For what? Yeah, and look, the offensive line, this guy needs to stay healthy. But they added Mike Pouncey as their center. We were talking about last year that when Jay Ajayi had Mike Pouncey as his center healthy with the Dolphins offensive line the year before, every single time he had him, he was amazing. So you're telling me that the Chargers add a center with the caliber of Mike Pouncey if he can stay healthy, and we're pushing Melvin Gordon down the draft board? Would it surprise you one bit, Greg, if this year in a non-PPR league, Melvin Gordon outscored Alvin Kamara? Not at all. Not at it, all. No it wouldn't. Way. And people, would, uh, people are consistently drafting Kamara over him. He would bet everything he has as EY. In everything he has. PPR, I understand it might be different. 16 games. Right, yeah. right, right. PPR, I understand, might be different. Kamara can have sure. 80-plus receptions. Do you think, guys, that there is this... There's always a bias against, quote-unquote, non-PPR guys, right? Like guys that don't catch passes. I don't know why Melvin Gordon has his reputation. He had 58 receptions last year. That was their first <laughs> year without Danny Woodhead. Doesn't it make sense that his receptions would have gone up? And that's exactly what they did. Top 10 in the NFL. I'm with you. I mean, like, look, every team is going to have a running back that backs up their workhorse to whatever. You'll take Melvin Gordon off the field for a couple of plays per game. Austin Eckler is going to get five to seven touches, whatever it might be. Happens that's on it. every team. Like, that's it. I'm dying. I'm. Guys, I'm with you both. I'm really. I don't know why he's slipping. I don't get it. I'm really interested to see where he goes. Like in that auction, my my first auction uh, is officially 19 days away now. So I'll have some real data to back it up. Obviously, the preseason will happen. Uh, they'll begin. Hopefully, we won't have any injuries. Of course, injuries do happen. Um, but yeah, I think it's damn interesting, guys. Yeah, damn he helped me win two championships last year too. The the flex league, which EY and myself will now be participating against each oh, other. I'm out for blood. <laughs> <laughs> and then in my home league too. Remember, I lost. David Johnson and Allen Robinson in the first week of the season. Anyone at all? Both are, those were both my keepers in my home league. Still won the chip, and part of that reason was Melvin Gordon. All right, so there you, there you go. Now, we mentioned that this, this phantom theory about Melvin Gordon not being able to catch passes, and it's, quite frankly, as we said, it's not real. It's simply not real. And we said Danny Woodhead was gone. Woodhead went to Baltimore last year and got injured week one. Now, you always look for pass-catching running backs, and a late-round flyer as a pass-catching running back Maybe Buck Allen, right? Like, people talk about Kenneth Dixon. People talk about Kenneth Dixon. They're talking about, certainly, Alex Collins, your boy. Should more people be talking about Buck Allen? Yeah, I brought him up because, look, his ADP, you're getting the guy dirt cheap. He had, he's going at ADP 204. And last year, you know, as much as we wanted Alex Collins to be the workhorse, it really took until the second half of the season Devorius Allen, Buck Allen was like a thorn in the side of all Alex Collins' owners for a large portion of last year. He had nearly 50 receptions. Uh, I think he's going to he's going to have a pass-catching role once again. I, I still think it doesn't worry me much about Alex Collins because I think he'll be on the field so much that you know he'll fall into around 40 receptions. But where Buck Allen is going compared to some of these other guys, like you're, you'll ask me, Chris Thompson in the 7th or 8th round or Buck Allen outside the top 200, who would you rather take a shot on as like a PPR back this year? Take the value on Buck Allen 10 times out of 10. 
I know people want Kenneth Dixon to be a thing, but the guy is already banged up. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. I don't know how much trust this coaching staff has in him whatsoever. Buck Allen was getting red zone attempts last year. He was you know, getting a ton of receptions. Might have not been getting a ton of yards, but they trust Buck Allen. I think there's something to be said for that. Ewan, any interest there in Buck Allen? Yeah, I mean, somebody you got to be interested in. in a PPR for sure. He's proven that he's got those chops. He can catch the ball well out of the backfield. They trust him in pass protection. And when he was the guy, you know, last year, I mean, he was a guy that he looked pretty good in kind of all aspects of the game. I think Collins is going to be the starter. That's how they're going to start out with. And and I'm one of the guys that wants Dixon to be a thing, too. He would flash, and you would see him, and he would just kind of like blow you away physically at what he could do, but he hasn't been able to put it together, and he's always hurt, and now he's, they're saying he's hurt again already. So, yeah, Buck Allen, like Frank was saying, the value is just it's too good to pass up. And, you know, someone like Thompson, who's already hurt, um, you know, like I, I take Allen – later on in the draft over him as well. Okay, so the, so so there you go. Taking Buck Allen over Chris Thompson, the guy uh, that is already hurt. A couple of other PPR guys. I, I want to try to figure out where we go. Eric, one of your guys last year was Tariq Cohen, who came on strong, and, and you bought in. I'm a Jordan Howard guy. Everybody knows that about me. But there's no reason that these two can't exist. I know you're a Howard guy as well. Tariq Cohen is going very, very highly in drafts. People are seeing what Kareem Hunt did in the passing game last year. They see Matt Nagy being the head coach. And like, listen, Tariq Cohen's going to be awesome. Are you, How high do you feel comfortable drafting Cohen? Yeah, I think he's getting a little too rich for my blood. Yep. I, I believe that that he is a special player, uh, but I don't think he's going to get a guy that can touch the ball more than, you know, 10 times a game. And, you know, if you want to roll the dice and having high production, if a guy with a guy only touching the ball 10 times, I think they're going to throw the ball a lot. I think they're going to use both tight ends. I, I think Howard's going to be the goal line guy. He's the guy that they're going to rely on to be the running back. And I believe that Tariq Cohen is going to be, you know, there's going to be times. And, and I mean, we know this is going to happen. He's going to do something in the preseason. He's going to rip off some big screen pass for 75 yards and everyone's going to freak out. And he's going to go up even higher, which is means I'm just probably not going to have him on any of my teams. I, I like watching him play football. And I think he's a special football player, but I think in that system, his body type, um, he's just not going to touch the ball enough for me to target him where he's going. I like him. Like, don't get me wrong, but he, it's just his, his draft value is, is it's way out of whack of what I think he's going to be. I agree with every word he just said. Every word of it. Yeah, especially the price that you have to pay. I mean, he's going inside the top 60 right now in NFFC drafts, so that would make him a fifth-round pick, which is crazy. But what people are looking at, the the template for him to pay off that draft price and maybe even surpass it is looking at what guys like Duke Johnson did last year. Guys like Chris Thompson, who on a per-game basis, Chris Thompson was RB11. Regardless, standard PPR, because he scored a lot of touchdowns, he's incredibly explosive, and we know what kind of explosiveness Tariq Cohen has. Remember last year, Greg, in the first month, we were talking about, should we trade Jordan Howard to get Tariq Cohen because of how explosive and how often a rate he was scoring touchdowns and how many targets he was getting in the pass game? Last year, Duke Johnson, in half-point PPR formats, finished as the RB15. He needed 93 targets, 74 receptions, 693 receiving yards, and seven total touchdowns to make that happen. It really comes down to, do you think Tariq Cohen can come close to kind of duplicating numbers like that in this Bears offense? And I lean towards what EY said. I think, look, you don't bring in a guy like Allen Robinson. You don't bring in a Trey Burton. You don't draft an Anthony Miller. You don't talk up Jordan Howard uh, right now in training camp as a three-down back. 
and then still expect those kind of numbers as Tariq Cohen. So I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of where you guys are. If you have to use a top 60 pick on Tariq Cohen, that's just way too high in my opinion. But you brought up Duke yeah, Johnson. Way too high. You brought up yeah. Duke Johnson and everything that he did last year. But everything needed to break right for Duke Johnson to get there. I agree with you. Yep. My question is, can it happen again? For because, Duke? For Duke Johnson, because I know going into last year, a bunch of people were off of Duke Johnson. They just kind of didn't want to get in on that, you know? And week one, he lines up as a wide receiver. We're all like, what the hell's going on? And as the year went along, Frank mentioned it. Everything fell right. The Browns were down in every game, and they utilized their passing down back. But this Cleveland offense is very, very different now, right? Like, you have so many more weapons. You have Josh Gordon back, maybe. You have Jarvis Landry, for sure. You have Carlos Hyde. You have Nick Chubb. You have David Njoku a year older. You have Tyrod Taylor. All this is just more. I don't, it's quantity. I don't know what the quality will be. But I'll say this, I'm higher on Jarvis Landry than most. I want to talk about that with you probably another day. But when it comes to Duke Johnson, Frankie, can he repeat? Can everything go as right as it did last year to go where his draft style currently is? I don't think that everything can go right as it did for Duke Johnson last year. I mentioned he had seven total touchdowns. Isaiah Crowell only had two touchdowns for the Browns last year. That's not going to happen again. You know, they went out and they got Carlos Hyde. They drafted Nick Chubb. For a reason. So those guys, are, I think, are going to be in there closer to the goal line inside the 20s. Don't get me wrong. Duke Johnson will score his touchdowns. Maybe he'll get a handful, five or six. But I'll say this. At Duke Johnson's price, at pick 89 right now, going around the top 90 in a PPR league, I'm much more apt to take him than I am to take a Tariq Cohen. And it's not a knock against Tariq Cohen, but I still think, like, they've, everything they've said about Duke Johnson is he's going to continue to have his role. 93 targets. That might be a little bit steep, but I still think 60-plus receptions is within the, within the realm of possibility for him. Uh, we've seen Tyrod Taylor throw a bunch to LaShawn McCoy when he was playing with Buffalo. Whether he's in there, Baker Mayfield, having a guy like Duke Johnson next to you as a security blanket, I don't worry about that. I just worry about him maybe replicating the touchdowns. I don't think he gets there. Maybe he gets four or five, but 60-plus receptions is still doable for Duke Johnson. I'll say this. I don't, even, I don't even want him at that price. I think it's even too rich for my blood. Both three yeah. Cohens around, and, and around ninety. Around ninety. I'm going to go in, in a different a full direction. Full point PPR and a half point. I understand why you might do it. Right. But in this NFFC ADP, if you're getting him around pick 90, 60 plus receptions out of a guy in the what would that be like the eighth ninth round as your flex or your RB four, I'm fine with that in a PPR league. Eric, I don't. I don't think he's getting sixty. I mean, if you look at the team, like okay, yeah, Tyrod Taylor threw to Lashawn McCoy. Lashawn McCoy didn't come off the field. There's two running backs that are probably going to play in front of Duke Johnson. And who do they have uh, catching short passes last year? Nobody. Nobody. So now they've got, if Gordon plays, <laughs> they got him on the outside. They've got Landry. they got Njoku. I mean, Carlos Hyde proved last year he can catch the ball. So, you mean, I don't know. I don't I don't think he even, I don't think he'll even touch 50. And, and for me, like, he's another, again, Duke Johnson's a player that I like. I think in the right system, on the right team, he's a guy that, that could produce. Um, but this happens every year. They'll, you know, because of circumstance, of, they get more plays, they get more touches, they get more looks. Right. This year, I don't feel he's going to get that just because of the wealth of talent there now. He's not going to get that unless all those injuries happen again, which is something he can't bank on. But his, now his draft stock is way up because of what he did last year because of the perfect circumstances. It's not going to happen again. 
I'm not going to have him on any of my teams either, even though I like him as a player. What that doesn't the the one. So I agree again. Everything you said, but the one caveat I have is they didn't give him a contract extension. Like the Browns, despite signing Carlos Hyde, despite drafting Nick Chubb, or before that even. They gave Duke Johnson this pretty large extension. I have to imagine they're going to use him and utilize him as much as they should, right, EY, when they're paying the dude. I'm not having anything the Cleveland Browns do in the front office steer any of my decisions. Okay. They drafted Johnny Manziel, number one. So, like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, it's all different staff and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But, I mean, they have never proven to me over the last 10 years that they can make a good decision. So, until. He's on the field, you know, 50% of the time. That, to me, is a stupid contract. Okay. I, then you then go out and give all that money to Carlos Hyde, and you draft a running back. Right. Makes it sense to me, too. Yeah, I'm just thinking a full point PPR, I'm fine with it. Half point, guys that have the starting role, like Lynch, Jamal Williams, I'll lean that way. Full point, I get it. Back with your calls, coming up next. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Back with you, fantasy best friends forever. Eric Young, hanging out, Frank and I. We're going to get to your calls in just a few moments at 844-843-6879. So if you're hanging out on the line, uh, stick with us. Because uh, I do want to get to your calls, more PPR running backs, and, and some updated news as well. But I wanted to get into the strategy conversation uh, that happened in my league last night. Um, because I, th- I thought we found some common ground, and they got a text message from uh, one of my buddies that was just like, this is stupid. I'm like, okay. You can have your opinion. That's fine. Like, whatever. It's not, that big, it's not that big of a deal. This person likes to make most things a big deal. But whatever. So, it really bothered some in our league that the last place team last season was playing uh, a team that was fighting for a playoff spot. Last place, he's mathematically eliminated. He's out. It's literally week 13. He has quite a bit of his fab left. That's why he came in last. He wasn't trying hard enough. Whatever. In week 13, he spends like 60 bucks on like Baltimore defense, which is the hot defense, let's say, that week. And everyone was like, are you kidding me? Like now, now you're spending your money on a freaking Baltimore defense. You're in last place. You're mathematically eliminated. There were obviously all the playoff-bound teams they wanted Baltimore defense. So I've always been in the camp, and this is what I voted for, that you have every right to play to the end. You play as hard as you can to the end. You want, you're playing spoiler, the whole deal. And they should be allowed to do that. There is a last place punishment, the whole deal. So the vote happened in my league to lock teams' abilities to pick up players once they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Now, that actually won. And then everyone was up in arms saying, wait, this is not, how, this is not what I meant. This is not what I wanted to vote for. Uh, I'm wrong. So can we change this? So the conversation went back and forth. And everyone agreed you can't have a last place punishment. You can't ask people to continue to look at their teams and compete if you limit their abilities to pick up players. But what they ultimately decided was what we call the middle ground. You're allowed to pick up a player, but they're going to wipe your... Once you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, 
the commissioner is going to wipe your fab to zero. Not give it to anybody. They're going to wipe the fab to zero so the teams that are actually competing for the playoffs have the best chance at acquiring a player. That was the middle ground. That was the compromise. And that seems to be what's going to be instituted. I wanted to get both of your thoughts on that rule and on this process and what you guys think should happen. I'll start with you. First off, is this a keeper or redraft league? It is a redraft league. An auction redraft league. Auction redraft league. All right, so, yeah, I think it makes more sense the way that you guys handled it. It's tough because, like, as long as a person has fab, like, I truly believe you shouldn't be able to take away their ability to do so. I mean, we have a similar problem like that in our league where, because we have a, a consolation bracket in yeah, the playoffs. That matters? Where, yeah, the, it actually matters. Like, the, the first and second place team of the consolation bracket get to choose their draft picks the next season. Okay. So... It's so that people are still interested in playing in the playoffs, playing out the rest of the season. But we had to implement a rule where, you know, people playing in the consolation bracket can't use their fab. So very, because, sim- very similar. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's, it's similar, but not because you're still part of like the regular season, like, and you said that there's a last place punishment. So in a league like that, I don't know that you can completely take away the use of someone's fab. But like in a consolation bracket, I have no problem taking away fab because the people who are actually competing for the championship should have first and all dibs at players available using their fab. Right. And, and I think that it's the same scenario, basically. You're just moving it up a little bit. You want teams that are fighting for the playoffs to have... I'm saying you could be... Have no chance based on yeah. points making the playoffs. Basically, but you're not mathematically eliminated. This guy had all his fab left because he didn't Correct. pay attention all year. Correct. If you have $60 fab left by week 13, right. that means you did something wrong. Correct. And that's probably why you're in the position that you're in. Right. So to use all of that on a defense? Yes. It was, it was, it was annoying. And it's I a understood. douche move. I agree with that's that. That's honestly what it is. So that's why we came up with a compromise. I'm not saying I agree yeah. with it. I, I voted to Especially let him have if all year. Especially if the reason why he did it was malicious. It was. That he, makes wanted it screw, even, he wanted to, to screw the person over. That, makes, that gives you even more of a reason to want to implement a rule. I, I don't have a problem with it. You what? Uh, to me, I mean, it's the right move to me in that thing is then kick that guy out of the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's not paying attention, he's leaving all of his yeah. fab. He's not playing. Right. Kick him out of the league. The, the the fact that you have to implement these stupid rules, first of all, there there is a, a punishment for last place. Yes. So then it shouldn't take away your ability to, to do anything at any time, at any point. And in the same, if they're playing for the draft picks and the consolation, if you're still playing, I don't care. I could be 0-12. I don't care. I still play every week like I'm trying to win. I've always played that way. Everyone should play that way. The right move in this instant is not make up stupid rules where you take away people's ability to play the game. I'm sure, I don't know if there's a, an entry fee, but I, maybe there is, maybe there's not. But the fact that there's there a penalty for getting last place, okay, well, there is. Well, that guy paid. Yeah. The only right thing to do is to kick him out of the league. If he's not playing, then get rid of him. I'm sure you can find somebody else to play. I mean, fantasy football is one of the most popular things in, in the United States right now. Find another player. That guy's an idiot. Uh, so I got a text message from the person who was texting me about it last night. And he says, thank you, Eric Young. So <laughs> there, there, there you go. Um, and his argument was that, listen, if there's three teams fighting for the playoffs, that you know, the, team, the last place team is playing somebody, then it has a huge impact on the playoff race. Even though he's mathematically eliminated, he has a huge, huge effect on the playoff, rate, on the playoff race. He should be allowed to do whatever he can to affect it because that's you paid. And, and teams that are in the playoff race that are boohooing because this guy has fab, well, then you should have held on to your fab money. So it's like, you mean like that's how it works? Right. Man? Like that's how it works. Sorry. 
Yeah, we can find you another player for your league. I mean, Bob from Easily. Vermont, Leland. I mean, we, we we have people around, Greg. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I listen. I, I agree with that. Get EY um, in I'm league. never. I'm never in enough leagues. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna make, I'm gonna make you come back to New York for it, though. I'll be there all week, all weekend. That's a, that's the big that's the big topic. Is what are we doing? What, what are we, we getting into? I'm there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then until Monday at two o'clock. When is this? So into just prepare next just prepare yourselves. Flex. What, what, what am I doing next week? I think I'm around Friday night. We can I, hang for sure. I returned from Myrtle Beach Friday during the day, but I could probably be around during the nighttime. Saturday is my anniversary, so that's tough. Yep. So Friday night, I could probably be around. I just realized you're not here all week next week, huh? No, I'm sorry. Huh? It's gonna be Greg and Ey week next week. But Ey has a job. Ey has a full time yeah, job. I know. <laughs> this is this is interesting. yeah, a little bit more important than ours too. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it's it out. not more. It's not more important. It's just time consuming. It's just time consuming. Exactly. It's, you know. No, I'm going to go out there and say it's more important. All right, to all right. me personally. I wonder if Florio still has moved to LA yet. <laughs> see, yeah. See, why, where is Florio? Florio in studio. Florio, if you're not in LA, I might have to call you back and like get him out. on Skype. Come on. I might have. I might be getting. I don't even think he's. He might be in LA by next week. I'm going to call. I'm going to call. I think he's there this week. I'm going to call him after the show. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay. We have about 10 minutes left. I want to take your calls. 844-843-6879. Let me start with Kevin in Chicago. What's up, Kev? Hey, guys. Uh, three quick things. First of all, I uh, love your show, obviously. Um, happy anniversary to Frank. Just Thank found you. out. Just heard. Definitely. And EY, I love your work, man. Anytime EY's cutting a promo, I'm all about it. So that's all I wanted to say there. Awesome. Appreciate and, uh, it, man. <laughs> yeah. And then just kind of segueing um, what you guys are talking about. I know I had a question about draft, but really quick, uh, I'm, I'm always – strict about the guys in my league playing being commissioner in one of my leagues and uh, I just really had to let go of two guys because it's two years in a row they've just kind of messed it up by not setting lineups um, and I just want to get you guys a quick opinion on this as commissioner I always send a text come Thursday morning or afternoon hey set your lineup remember to set your lineup and I, and I do that even if a guy's playing me because I want is that something I should be doing or yeah, you're a man, but you That's shouldn't kind of have to send texts. No. Get rid of those guys. I know. It takes it, it with a phone. Yeah, like just... everyone's got a smartphone now. It takes ten seconds. Get rid of those dummies. That like, bothers that bothers me more than anything. Like they they blame the commissioner when someone doesn't update yeah. their lineup. It's not the job. It's not his job, man. Yeah. Like, you have a smartphone. Nope. Like, I know. Like Ey is as Frank just said, one of the busiest guys we know. He's always he's always on the road. He's he's always working because that that's his job. But when he's not physically in the ring. He can very easily check his phone and just make sure a dude is playing. It doesn't take that long. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. You do not send out text messages. You shouldn't have to do that. That's not part of your job description as the commissioner. If people are invested in your league, and they should be, if you play fantasy football, you should be invested in your league. Whether you're 0-12, like EY said, you should still be invested. You're setting your lineups. This happened once in my league where I had to start texting the person. I thought I would never do it. Come the end of the season, the next year, this is my home league, the one that is as closest to my heart as possible. I had to kick this guy out of the league, and he's one of my close friends as well. And I had to do it, and he didn't understand why. And I'm like, look, dude, you didn't set your lineup three weeks in a row while people are trying to play for the playoffs, and that could have made a difference. So if it comes down to it, you just got to get rid of those people in your league. You shouldn't be the one to have to send text messages out ever. Totally. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if I may jump in, Frank, on that note, uh, I literally just got to follow my uh, buddy of mine. I grew up with this guy. We were four years old. We grew up together and everything, and he's been in the league I'm running for since the start of it. And uh, I had to let him go, and it was the most awkward phone conversation I've ever had. And uh, those two guys I had to cut, he was one of them. And I said, man, it's two years in a row now. Like, we can't have it. And, you know, it was a little awkward at first, but you know what? At the end of the day, if I have a 10-team league that's going to play, at 10 teams sucks. I want 12, but if I have 10 yeah. quality guys that are playing, i take that any day over to 12, you know. Yeah. You're more of a man than I am because you called the guy. I did it over text. 
<laughs> it was it was really hard to do. But uh, if, if, if I'm out of time, I understand you. Know, I can always call back another day um, and, and ask that question about the draft. So, what's your What's your question, man? You're on the phone. Let's go. What's up? Well, okay, then I'll be quick. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, when it comes to draft day, a lot of times, you know, we, we, especially with me, a lot of stuff that you tell yourself goes out the window when you're on the clock. It's different. So, let's say I, I'm sitting there in a full point PPR and I end up taking two receivers off the bat, which is something I usually don't do. But if that happens, what's someone uh, in the third, between third and fourth round that you guys feel really good about being your number one running back? Like, I know that there's guys still lurking around like McCoy and even Lynch. He's not going to somewhere in the fourth, I believe. So, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, but we're in Frank's mouth, so I'll let you answer, Frank. But I know you mentioned Marshall Lynch there, Kevin. I know Frank's also stupidly high uh, on, Al- stupidly. on Alex Collins, who, who goes around the same range as well. What, are there any other names, Frank? Yeah, I I like Kenyon Drake as well in the third, fourth round swing. I worry a little bit about Frank Gore being there. And you mentioned Marshawn Lynch, fourth round. No, you could get him in the seventh, eighth round. Don't worry about that, especially in a 10-team league. Uh, even guys like Rashad Penny, the rookie there with the Seattle Seahawks, I am not worried about Chris Carson. I think he's going to be the workhorse there. And all this talk about Darius Geis getting more work in the passing game, and we're talking about Chris Thompson you know, being worried to run and, and get tackled by opposing players and you know the injury history that he has. As much as Darius Geis is going to play, he can easily fall into 30 to 40 receptions. And in a PPR league, if he does that on top of the rushing production and the touchdowns we expect out of him, I think he's a fine third and fourth round pick as well. All right, so there you go. It's Kevin in Chicago. If you have a question for us or a comment based on uh, the strategic conversation we're talking about, 844-843-6879. Number to join in is 844-843-6879. I want to go into our, our YouTube chat room now and ask you guys or answer uh, a couple of questions that you've had. Uh, I said we were get more into that uh, without Florio, and, and I want to stick to my word there. So uh, if you have a question, you want to give us a call at 844-843-6879. You can do that. Or you can ask it in the YouTube chat uh, right now. So uh, first question we have, uh, really at you, Frank. Lynch in the fourth, can I please join your league? Well, that was at the caller's question because he mentioned Lynch in the fourth. But I think any once we get to the seventh round, I'm completely fine with Lynch. I've mentioned it before. I mean, he's going outside the top 30 at running back right now. Last year, he only needed 207 carries to finish as RB20. So I think he's going to be in that 220 to 240 carry range. Given that offensive line, uh, as many touchdowns as he's going to score, I think that'll be fine enough for him to pay off top 24 value this season. Eric, as I go back into the PPR running backs here, we had mentioned, and you had mentioned specifically, um, Jarek McKinnon uh, with San Francisco and how high everybody is and was on him. That leads me to Matt Breida. And we talk about PPR running backs, and, and Frank, you believe, and, and Florida believes there's a chance Matt Breida at some time will have more value than Jarek McKinnon. Where do you feel comfortable drafting Matt Breida? Jeez, that's tough. I, I did uh, see a report the other day that said, you know, all three backs, including Joe Williams, yep, uh, is, is looking good. Um, but uh, they said that Matt Breida is, is the best running back on the team right now, which is is, is pretty crazy to think. Uh, to me, I mean, I, I don't know the the weights and stuff, but he looked even more slight than McKinnon. Okay. So uh, that that's something that, that worries me at the running back position. He's a smaller guy. And, like, look, like, MJD and you know guys like that like I'm not talking about short I'm just talking about frame wise like he's a very slight human being so that worries me but Matt Breida 
if you're a guy that believes that San Francisco's offense is going to be what everyone thinks it's going to be, I'm not in that boat. Matt Breed is a guy that you can get in late rounds that, that could be good. He, he could be the pass catcher. I don't know. But, I mean, with McKinnon there, I I believe in McKinnon. I, I think he's going to have a big year. Um, he's a shorter guy, too. But his, his build, like, he, I mean, you see all these videos of him in the weight room. He, he's a beast, man. He's a beast. Uh, if he stays healthy, I think he has a big year. And I, I still have this weird feeling about Joe Williams. All right, Joe Williams, your boy this year. Fair enough. Hey, Tavon Austin, backup running back in Dallas. Like, it's kind of say, maybe, maybe you were a year early. Maybe it was a year early. Maybe you were a year early. Um, we're going to find out. <laughs> Let's go to Spencer in Baltimore. What's up, Spence? Hey, guys. Love the show. Thanks for having me. What's going on? All right, so quick question. Um, I, I asked this before, but it's kind of developing. I'm in a 10-man keeper league, PPR. Okay. I have Kareem Hunt in the sixth round. Um, now, my, my dilemma is I can go DJ and then come back, but because of all the keepers, my number one wide receiver would be looking like Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton. But if I do Antonio Brown, I could come back and snag uh, Joe, Joe Mixon and Darius Geist. So I was trying to see where you guys heads at on that, if I should just go DJ, pair him up with Kareem. And... Frank, you're the guy that kind of analyzed the picks here. Uh, what, what pick do you have in the draft? I have third. Are those guys guaranteed to be there? Uh, which guys? David Johnson and Antonio Brown are both help? guaranteed to be there? Yeah, yeah. The first two are going to go Le'Veon and Todd Gurley. All right, so if you have Kareem Hunt as your sixth-round pick, as your keeper already, I have no problem taking Antonio Brown. I think Antonio Brown versus David Johnson is close enough in a PPR that if you pair Antonio right. Brown with Kareem Hunt and then come back and just take the best player available, whether it's running back, wide receiver, I like that a little bit more, Greg. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. Eric, I know we have about two minutes left. I wanted to end with you because you were tweeting, I believe it was earlier this morning, uh, about your love for Bryce Butler this year. How come? Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> it was not love. And I know when you put up stuff, everyone's like, oh, you can't pick him. <laughs> I'm talking about like the last pick. You know, you're in a, in, a, in a deep, you know, a 12 team, a 14 team, maybe a best ball league. I don't know who the other wide receiver I like to me, like I used to like JJ Nelson, but I, I think he's proven that he's not really a thing. He He's not a very big guy. Someone's got to be on the outside. Someone's got to catch touchdowns. You know, I know Ricky seals Jones, uh, you know, I think is going to have a big step forward, but someone's got to do it at a receiver. And Bryce Butler is a guy that, I mean, when you saw him, when he played, which was very little for the Dallas Cowboys, he looked good. He's physic physically. He's a beast. He's tall. He's got a big body. He ran like a four three seven forty, so he can run. Uh, and we don't know if we can catch or not because he's barely played. But I've got a real weird feeling about it. I'm talking second to last, you know, last round, or you know, or the first guy you might pick him up on the waiver wire. But I've got a feeling after week one. Unless you got the number one priority, you're not going to get him. So that, that's a guy just to keep an eye on. Now, that's a real sleeper. Not like, ooh, like Tariq Cohen, what a sleeper. <laughs> it's not a sleeper. EY taking a stab with Bryce Butler. I like it. Yeah, I don't mind it. In a best ball format, you just got to take guys that you think have the upside, and that's your guy. He's got you it, man. Chance, man. He's got it. Eric, I would appreciate, I appreciate you coming on, uh, as always. We'll do it again soon. For Frank Stanfield, I'm Greg Sussman. Two of us, we'll be back tomorrow. We, we hope. hope.